I don't know who you are, young lady, but you certainly know how to handle yourself well. Batman! Batgirl? Batgirl? Batgirl! Yes, Batgirl! This band pal. This is Batman Land. Our purpose here is quite serious. Each week we chat about the 1966 Batman TV show. We might as well get a few laughs out of it. We discuss the episodes airing this week on SBS Vice Land. My name is Dan Barrons. I work at SBS on a site called The Guide. Joining me for this very last Batman Land, it's Nick Bassine, Fiona Williams. Guys, no jokes to introduce you because this is serious business. We're here for the end. It's quite sad. We're stony-faced. We are. End of an era. Yeah. Now, Fiona Williams, you've Mm. had the good fortune to miss almost all of season three, but the week that you came in, you managed to get the best episode of the season by a long mile, and that was Batman surfing up against the Joker. I remember. Nick Bassine, you've done the hard yards with me in this studio for the last, you know, however many weeks now. It's been nothing but an absolute pleasure. (laughs) I'm being serious. I enjoyed it, and and when I stopped watching this very last episode, I got um, sad. I became sad. A little choked up. Yeah. I, I got a little choked up with the end of the first episode that we're going to discuss here this week. Okay. But the second one, I was kind of happy to have reached a point of Batman land where it's like, <laughs> you know what? I feel that we've had our time. Well, that's a very mature um, attitude, but I, I'm, I, I wasn't ready to let go. I'm still not. We can go back to episode one. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Rewatching. <laughs> Rewatch the show. Rewatch Batman Land. There's all do kinds it. of things we could learn from watching these episodes many, many times. Maybe we just start recapping the podcast. <laughs> Dan, you're an ideas man. Very much so. I'm going to veto that. Okay. Well, she's the one with the money for this department. So I think that's an answer. That is an idea. Now, guys, we are going to discuss two episodes here, and then we're going to discuss Batman broadly afterwards. We're going to kick off with the entrancing Dr. Cassandra March, which aired initially on the 7th of March, 1968. And we're also going to discuss the Zsa Zsa Gabor starring Minerva, Mayhem and Millionaires, which aired the week after on the 14th of March, 1968, which trivia point is also the last day that Batman aired on the ABC network in the US. Right. Mm, I don't know if there were repeats. Maybe there were. There must have been. Yeah, but it was the last fresh episode. I saw it. So we're saying final want... episodes of Batman. Yeah, I guess you could frame it that way. Yeah, I would. <laughs> now, Nick Bassine, this is embarrassing, but through the entire duration of Batman, I have come into the studio just forgetting absolutely everything that we've experienced it's, on the show. It's been shameful. Can you, for the last time, and I promise if we had it again next week, I'd remember, but this week, can you let us know what happened on this week's Batman? Okay, so... The most popular and well-known villains in Batman history, Dr. Cassandra and Kabbalah, become invisible and rob a bank in Gotham City. Groovy, groovy! (laughs) They give Commissioner Gordon and Chief O'Hara a beating they've had coming for quite some time on this show. And then prank call Batman. Who is this speaking? Their plan? To free all of the arch criminals of Gotham. The thought of it blows my mind. They steal the mope diamond from Spiffany's. Welcome to Spiffany's, folks. Again with the Spiffany's. And when Batman and Robin and Batgirl show up to stop them, they blast them with a ray gun that turns them into cardboard cutouts that we should have been using to decorate the studio here. Now don't move or you're both flat as flounders. The cutouts are delivered to police headquarters and then forwarded to Alfred, who puts them in the three-dimensional bat restorer. Anything's worth a try, no? Meanwhile, Dr. Cassandra breaks all of the supervillains out of the prison. Holy catastrophe! 
Joker, Riddler, King Tut, Penguin, Catwoman, Egghead, and they're only ever shot from the rear for some reason. They take her camouflage pills and disappear and then fight Batman and Robin and Batgirl in what has to be the strangest fight ever seen on the show. Our heroes turn the tables on the invisible villains by turning out the lights. They win, but their work isn't done. At Minerva's Mineral Spa, Jaja Gabor. Divine, darling. Divine. Is about to give Commissioner Gordon and Chief O'Hara a beauty treatment. She walks them into her spa, where we assume they are going to be murdered. What? Cut to Bruce Wayne, shirtless. Minerva, after every visit to your spa, I always feel like a new man. Minerva steals his watch. Anything wrong, darling? And the combination to the Wayne Foundation safe as she steals from all of her millionaire clientele by sucking secrets out of their brains through a hairdryer. Well, of course. At police headquarters, Chief O'Hara's extreme incompetence is now manifesting itself physically in the form of a limp, thanks to a ping-pong injury, of course. You're a problem, Chief O'Hara. They implore Batman and Robin to investigate, which they do by signing up for their own spa treatments. We'd like the full treatment, please. Well, of course. But they get tossed into a slow cooker while Minerva robs the Wayne Foundation of its jewels. Via her eggplant jelly vitamin scalp massage. Batman and Robin escape thanks to some pill-popping, and they send Alfred in to investigate further. He's disguised as a friend of Minerva's. My dear, surely you recognize me. She's about to steal his secrets when Batgirl shows up, and they both get tossed into the slow cooker. Batman and Robin show up and fight Minerva's goons and win. In a quiet moment, Batgirl makes fun of Jaja Gabor's accent. Darling. <laughs> then she's arrested. I'm going to make Gotham State Prison the world's most elegant spa. And that's the end of the Batman show, but not the Vietnam War, which rages on. Yeah, that Vietnam War went for another seven years, Nick. It did. That was a, a long one. I wanted to get... I wanted to get it all in there to make sure that uh, we covered everything for this last episode. You have to do it justice. It's, I think you did. I'm serious about being emotional. Uh, when I okay. when I end when it ended, I thought. I mean, I think about death a lot in general. But these <laughs> a lot of these people, like they're gone. The people that made it, the people that are in it, and um, some of them are just in prison. Oh, well, that is true, as we learned last week. But you know, it's the impermanence of life. And mm-hmm. what's, what stays? What goes? What do we remember? How do we remember people and, and the work that they leave behind? You know, I was thinking about all of that. Mm. You guys were too, obviously. Oh, I've not stopped. Well, I tend to think about that every week on the show. Yeah, it's not <laughs> just the finale that gets us <laughs> the one thing that I've learned. Well, this, the one thing I've learned about this show is that this show really is representative of that sort of change from the golden age of Hollywood through to the Silver Age. Because a lot of the guest stars in this are Golden Age actors. Yes, very. That's right, very much so. And so this series has been an entire time capsule of a very specific time of Hollywood. And yeah, it's been fascinating delving into this world, but then also going through and looking at the credits of these actors and the lives they've led after the series is finished. And some of them have, you know, led to quite interesting, fruitful lives afterwards, but a lot of them certainly have not. Right. Generationally, we watched this show as children because it was being rerun. But this generation's children, I mean, I, I watched it with my children. I watched these last two with my children last night, but it's not part of their lives at all. So how does it live on? Just thanks to SBS Viceland channel manager, John Bone. I mean, largely, if you think about Batman and pop culture, you still hear references to Biff, Bams and Powers. That's true. And in the, in the Lego movie, there, there's references, many references to the 60s show. Yeah, and there's references to Batman and Robin all over the place. But I mean, really in mainstream pop culture, like outside of the comic books, a lot of these, you know, the Biff Bams, the Powers, the Robin, like, hasn't really been a presence. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, for the young children, their experience of Batman these days is a brooding, shut-in, cranky <laughs> yeah, supervillain. Absolutely. Not supervillain, well, the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Cracking down on the supervillains. 
Anyway, guys, we've got two episodes to get through. Let's. I know we've started on a very morbid note. Let, let's cheer up, and we're going to talk about the alchemical <laughs> bank and trust. <laughs> let's get to Spiffany's. Well, we'll get there, but we're the al- <clears throat> alchemical bank and trust, which, as we learned at the beginning, is a, a financial institution so conservative it pays no interest at all. Coincidentally, there's a banking royal commission on at the moment. I think they yeah. should uh, have some time in the stand. Now, the alchemical bank and trust is obviously a parody of the New York-based chemical bank which I always thought was a fake bank created for the Seinfeld TV series, but no, it's a real bank. I'm going to miss how they just changed a couple of letters to real things and make the, make the parody. Now, there was a pun in this episode, the Alvino Ray gun, which yeah, is the gun they were shooting. So Alvino Ray was a, a big band leader. Was he? Yeah, apparently. Okay. Now, originally the joke that Stanley Ralph Ross, who wrote the episode... He wanted to make a a joke regarding the current Californian governor and future US president and call it the Ronald Reagan. Ah. Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Reagan. I believe that was the Garbage Pail Kid um, name. Really? I think so. Anybody? Garbage Pail Kids? Anybody? Anyway, apparently the producers wouldn't allow it. (laughs) Well, he was about to become governor of California. Or he was governor. Well, he was then governor. Well, in hindsight, the joke probably should have been that given the trajectory of his career. Yes. um, Yeah. Uh, So Stanley Ralph Ross, this is his final Batman, and that's worth noting just purely because he wrote a lot of episodes of the show, and he was generally one of the much better writers on the series as well. Didn't get the final. Mm, Didn't quite get to the final, but I mean, I don't think they thought the series was actually ending with that (laughs) episode. (laughs) Uh, Maybe he got kicked off. They just got tired of all the spiffanies. Maybe. He kept reusing that. Now, he's interesting because he later went on to be the showrunner and creator of the Wonder Woman live-action show. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Now, we saw some sterling acting this episode from Stafford Blake and Neil Hamilton (laughs) as Commissioner Gordon and Chief O'Hara when the invisible duo came in. Oh, man. Boy, were they acting up a storm. Yeah. I like a little nod to maybe just a hint that they were potentially in their last days. It's good to have you with me, Chief O'Hara. After all these years, we've come to anticipate each other's thoughts. At times like this, Commissioner, anyone can read your mind. It's Batman we need and fast. Very neatly put, Chief. Yes. <laughs> They're reminiscing as well. Yes. Everything about this episode feels like it should be the last episode. <laughs> it even ends with the words, the end, at the end of this episode. Yeah. Because of the way that all of the um, all the villains are broken the out. The villains of the are pit. back. Yeah. It, it absolutely should have been the last episode. Yeah. yeah. Instead, we got Jar Jar back for one... You know, she just flipped there. them. At least it wasn't the middle episode of some three-part <laughs> uh, mixed around. Not without precedent. How do you know it wasn't? Ending on a cliffhanger that we don't figure out until you watch the Wonder Woman show. Now, the villains in this episode are played by Ida Lupino and also... Howard Duff. Howard Duff. Uh, they were married in real life together. Separated at the time they shot this, though, apparently. Really? Apparently. They yeah. were separated for many years. Yeah. Maybe like... maybe this is what did it. <laughs> but around this time there was separation and they didn't divorce till, you know, early 80s or something. Yeah, but there was lots of sort of innuendo within the episode, including Howard at one point saying... Well, husbands and wives are supposed to bump into each other now and then, aren't they, baby? Mm. Wink, wink. A little bit much for Batman, I'd suggest. Well, it's continuing in the um, theme of uncomfortable um, sexual references in the show. But what I liked about it is that it it kind of, instead of having the male bad guy have the um, sex pet around, they kind of reversed it. Mm. And watching her have to roll her eyes every time he cozies up to her, that was kind of fun. Mm. Well, that's in Ida Lupino's lane, though. Like, she was very much a forthright female actress of the time. And she clashed with the studio head, Jack Warner, 
because she refused to do condescending roles and things that she felt would objectify her. And she was suspended for quite some time from the studio because oh, really? she said, well, you're just too much trouble, I'll get someone else. Yeah. Right. But on the flip side, that time off screen allowed her to develop her skills in editing and directing and she, she went on to direct, she was the first woman to direct a film noir. Yeah, and she, she directed some films that were quite provocative and controversial at the time, like films about pregnancy outside of wedlock, rape, bigamy and whatnot. So, yeah, she was quite a forthright female in Hollywood. She was in um, High Sierra. It's one of my mm-hmm. old, old favourite of mine. Mm. really like that movie. Yeah. Also the noir classic They Drive By Night. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now she also directed a hell of a lot of TV as well. TV shows like The Untouchables and The Fugitive. Classics. Like, it is an extensive TV filmography. Directed her Twilight Zone. Credits. She not only directed The Twilight Zone, but my understanding is she's the only actor to have appeared in an episode of The Twilight Zone and directed an episode. Mm. And Not only the woman same episode, to direct but, one. And the only woman. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, uh, amazing career. Uh, meanwhile, Howard, uh, he had an extensive series of acting credits. Towards the end of his career, he appeared in The Golden Girls. I think Gee. that's important. Hello. Also, I believe he played Magnum P.I.'s dad, Thomas Sullivan Magnum the first. Mm. Thomas Sullivan Magnum. Mm. Was Magnum the second? Was he Thomas Sullivan? I presume. I can't say that I'm it's a implied. huge Magnum P.I. head. But when eventually Viceland ends up doing a Magnum Land. <laughs> I'm there. Yeah, I'm totally there for that. I think you'll find she's all, he's also Hilary Duff's grandfather. <laughs> Fact check on that one. Uh, something I wasn't entirely sure about was the validity of Batman now having a portable bat phone. I just don't know how that thing would work. Uh, it certainly predates the Nokia 3210. <laughs> Moving with the times. You know, given Ida Lupino's in, in real life, her, um, her embrace of uh, progressiveness, mm-hmm. she, like a lot of characters on this show is asked to represent the show's disdain for counterculture. Uh-huh. She's all the bad guys are the swinging cats, daddies. <laughs> and uh, she called the jewelry guy dad a lot, which was yeah. funny. And um, He had that coming. He was a bit of a jerk. He just watched yeah, absolutely. as they turned them into uh, cardboard cutouts. My favourite was when she calls somebody a square ball. <laughs> I did not know that that was a thing. It's That's very a funny. Scratcher. Yeah. Get lost, square ball. They hate the hippies on this show. Mm. Did you? Were you here for the episode where they have a picture of a port? One of the characters has a Richard Nixon portrait up on his no. desk. No, no, I was oh not. Oh boy! Uh, speaking of the sort of squares that would do that, we've got Warden Chryson in this episode with uh, David Lewis, obviously making his final appearance. Mm. Yeah, he's been a beloved character. Ah, oh, the favorite scenes we've had with Warden Crichton. <laughs> Count the waves, fellas. He's the anchor to this show. Uh, he's suddenly an anchor. <laughs> One of my favourite moments is Batman doing the research on who the villains are this week because much like the audience, he never had like a <laughs> absolute clue who they were. Uh, so he looked them up in Barbara's library and found Cassandra listed in the Who's Who in Alchemy book. Just as I suspected. What is it, Batman? This meddy quack, Dr. Cassandra is none other than Cassandra Spellcraft. Which I don't know if it's kind of like your, you know, Forbes Richest 100 or how that works exactly. Uh, but we do know that she's part of a group of never-do-well alchemists. Was alchemy in the 60s more of a um, burgeoning industry? There's a lot of alchemists on this show. It's just an obsession. I don't know, it's strange. I enjoyed seeing Batman, Robin and Batgirl being turned into promotional standees. It was quite a thing, and you, you alluded to it before, Nick. That, yeah. Because I wonder where those standees have ended up. They'd fetch a pretty price on eBay, I would expect. Bert, I would imagine. Burt Ward's got them. I yeah, mean, that's true. I was hoping at the end of this podcast you guys would just bring out the three standees for me as a gift for, you know, 
all yeah. this Batman landing, but I don't think that's going to happen. No, it's really not. Yeah. We did get you something, though. <laughs> don't joke. Uh, we've got the final appearance in this episode of the Joker, King Tut, Penguin, Egghead, Riddler, and Catwoman. <laughs> Do Does we it know? count? Does Played it count? by none of the regular actors. It's weird they didn't get speaking parts. So... I mean, that the, the star wattage in that room. <laughs> but we should say that this is maybe a bit of a farewell to the people that played their stand-ins. So they're regular standards. Was it their the regulars? Villains. Yeah. Oh, well, Way that's to nice. spin it. And I thought that was kind of nice. That's beautiful. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I'm sure that was the only reason and not budgetary. Yeah, let's farewell the standings. Even the penguin guy didn't sound anything like Burgess <laughs> Meredith. Well, all the audio... <laughs> I sound more like Burgess <laughs> Meredith. All the audio is from the actual recordings of the regular villains. Are you sure? Yeah. Where are you getting this information? Internet. Hmm. Must be true. Checks out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as actually someone mentioned this on the internet, which I was nodding my head in furious agreement with, considering the fact that we had a change of actress playing the Catwoman role. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a bit of a painful dig at the idea that yeah. she suddenly came white again. Yeah. yeah. They brought back the white Catwoman. Mm. Anyway, read into that what you will. Well, wouldn't be the first time on this show that something like that's happened. But speaking of first times, first time we've seen Batgirl in the Batcave. In this episode, it seemed a big surprise to her. Also, did she have a? Oh, they had to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could do a supercut of Batman gassing women in the um, in the Batcave. <laughs> There's been would, a number. Um, yeah. Is no, she... no, but she came in as a cardboard cutout and then woke up. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. No, that makes it okay. That's so much better. <laughs> Is she wearing a different cape? Am I making? Am I imagining that, or was it? Has it always had the gold? Um, I don't think they would have. They wouldn't have gotten a new costume for the last, the last couple. Yeah, not that no, they no. knew they were the last couple, but still. Now, Nick, speaking of Batgirl's cape, and I can't believe that we've waited until this final episode for me to tell this story. But have I ever told you the story about when I bid on Batgirl's costume on eBay? Oh boy. Okay, it wasn't quite eBay. I think you tell it at parties, but maybe not on the. No, I don't think I've told it on the podcast. Have you heard the story before, Fiona? Well, it sounds vaguely familiar. Okay, but I'm not sure. Essentially, what happened is I got obsessed with Hollywood auctions a couple of years ago. And this is maybe about a decade ago, but coming up on one of the auctions was the leotard that Batgirl used to wear. Now, it wasn't the full Batgirl costume, and I think it was actually the costume from one of these like screen tests rather than the one from the actual show, but it came up. And so I, in the early hours of the morning, bid $8,000 to get the Batgirl thing. Oh my God. Now, the thing is, Dan from, you know, 15 years ago when I made this bid, I didn't have that much money. <laughs> I don't have that much money now to be spending on Batgirl costumes. Eight large to throw at uh, old memorabilia? Anyway, I put the bid down, and you don't actually find out about other bidders within this until the end of the bidding process. Wait, okay, wait, so first, did you jump up to 8000 or was it at? Oh, I started at 8000 I put that down day one, day one of the auction. And so it was a very nervous 30 days for me to reach the end and then find out that I didn't win. Okay, which in the greater scheme of things, I don't know how I would have explained that to significant people in my life. So thankfully it didn't happen. But also now I just kind of wish I'd found a way. That's a great premise for a dude where's my car type of movie where the whole movie he's trying to get the money together for this bad girl costume. It's creepy and... Could mm-hmm. be a good comedy. I feel yeah, there's a niche audience. Yeah, you could audience. just kickstart it. I'm sure they'll <laughs> pop the head around. That's not a bad idea. Well, this is my afternoon <laughs> not to encourage care of. this. That's amazing. That's a real insight into um, <laughs> the depths you were willing to fall for um, your superhero fetish. My sad life. That's the name of the movie. You said we got him in present. Here's where we <laughs> <Yeah>. that all <laughs> stops. Oh, that would have been poetic. <laughs> 
Now, a bit sad they can't trust Batgirl at this stage with the Batcave location, considering the fact that, you know, she's been a loyal member of the team. She saved their bacon on a couple of times. A whole at, bunch of times. At the end of every episode, she's saving mm. their bacon. Yeah, and they don't trust her to show her their whatnot. And when she's asleep, they're making creepy comments about her. Well, this oh, is it. That was the worst. Maybe Batman's most egregious Me Too moment. Uh, <laughs> we've got Robin, of whom celebrating his first thrust of manhood. Don't. Oh. Don't you say it as well, please. I'm just reporting what I saw, Fiona. No, there's honestly, so that language. so much. Yeah, there's so many of those kinds of moments in this show. At this one, I mean, they just saved the biggest for last, it mm. felt like. Good Lord. And the thing is, like, Dick Grayson has been out on dates with girls before. Like, there's all sorts of times where he's exhibited an interest in the fairer sex. Mm. So I don't even see where this is coming from exactly. But anyway, let us let us move on past that. Yeah, we need to note it and then move on. I liked at the end where we've got the traditional fight scene that would usually take place instead of goons. And again, this should have been the final episode. Instead of henchmen, it's really Batman and Robin facing off against all yes. the villains. That's awesome. And because of obviously budgetary constraints and the fact that you don't have any of the actors you want to see in this, uh, they turn off the lights, which I thought was a lot of fun. And saves electricity. I loved how um, they're kind of in the middle of the shot and these invisible villains are just throwing things from off screen. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. Yeah, great way to end the show. Would have been great. And as I said earlier, the episode ends with the phrase, the end. Do they not normally do the end? No. God, that weird scheduling mm. stuff that goes on with this show. Yeah, now the end came superimposed over the top of the Jar Jar Gabor um, intros of the series. Yes. So the tag on it. Mm. Right. So, I mean, that's sort of a bit weird. So it's always going to be another episode. I guess she was a big enough star that they thought that was a more impactful ending. Well, it doesn't have an ending ending. Yeah, I mean, it just seems strange that they would have flipped. And they kind of make a rod for their backs by shooting the part of the next episode yeah. and adding it to, to yeah, this one. Yeah. So... Yeah, the stuff. That whole thing. It's like yeah. a carryover champion curse, you know. But I will say the entrancing Dr. Cassandra March, even though we've got like two dodgy villains, I think the inclusion of all the other supervillains and just everything in this episode, I actually found it fairly funny. I was engaged and really quite into this episode. Then we reached Minerva Mayhem and Millionaires. And my enthusiasm dissipated quite considerably. It's more of a play. Most most of it takes place at Minerva's spa. Yeah. Now as you said, it's kind of like a play and it feels like this is definitely a uh, budget-focused episode. It's a bottle episode. It was Very like bottle. A, yeah, it reminded me of Chekhov in a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> Very Uncle Vanya-esque. We open with a whole bunch of millionaires and TV producers of whom are in the health spa. Yes, mm -hmm. cameos. A couple of cameos. So you've got millionaire William Dozier, of whom is the producer. Oh, is that him? And yep. also the narrator of yeah, right. the series. By never taking a beautiful woman at face value, Minerva. <laughs> now, William Dozier became the narrator of the show because he figured he could like, get a bit of a paycheck and residuals coming through from that. Dirty Dozier. Yeah. Can he? Uh, but yeah, I mean, I suspect that maybe that's what went into Dirty Dozier taking on this role as the millionaire. But he's not the only one because regular series producer Howie Horwitz is on there as producer Howie Horwitz. And he's the guy who's asked by Minerva how, how he became a rich, a rich television, television producer, producer and how he advises By them. never hiring method actors, Minerva, and by always ignoring network executives. Also by not having to hire extras and appearing in your own show. Yeah. yeah. It, it might seem weird that I noticed this, but um, this is the first time we see, I think, is the first time we've seen Batman with his um, shirt off. Absolutely. Right? A little know, glimpse at the start where he's getting a massage. And... 
at least previously in Batman Land episodes, you've taken a few shots at him at his uh, at Batman's lack of uh, fitness, his physique. But I thought he looked great. Yep. So what's the problem? So does Jaja. Well, when I do the commentary over the previous Batman Land episodes, we'll address that. <laughs> we really should. But I, it's, it's it was not going to happen. <laughs> it was surprising because yeah, I guess he just he had less of a punch. It just seemed like he was in shape. It was great for the final episode to get some Bruce Wayne time. Because one of the yeah. things I've really enjoyed in this show is the Bruce Wayne sequences. We've been through episode after episode. It's been three years. We've been doing this for five. <laughs> and so it, it can seem like we're tired of um, certain things, but it can't be overstated how great Adam West is Ugh. as Bruce Wayne and Batman. I mean, he's very funny, very good. He's stoic and silly. It's fantastic. Yeah, he's very good. So Yeah, this show would not be the show it is without yes, Adam absolutely, West. Yes, absolutely. He's He's... Even more of an anchor than the guy that you mentioned before. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember what I was talking about. Uh, could we say the same thing about Burt Ward? See, I like Burt Ward's fighting because he's a trained what have you. And um, he throws a punch, takes a punch, and uh, <laughs> just seems like uh, he knows what he's doing. More, Maybe a little bit more than Adam West, in fact. I would say I don't think the show would be anywhere near as successful if you had a comedic actor at Adam West's level also playing Robin. I think maybe it would have been too much. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. a, like a Mickey Rooney. Yeah. But let's just focus a bit more on this episode before we go a bit broader. Zsa Zsa Gabor. Oh, you beautiful, beautiful darling. Oh, I love you. I love you. Uh, do people have favorite Zsa Zsa performances generally? Well, Naked Gun. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Playing yeah, the yeah. character of Zsa Zsa Gabor. Well, when, who else did she ever play? Like, she just played herself constant, like versions of herself. Why was she originally... But so why is she fam- why was she famous? Well, pre the Kardashian family, like she was famous for being famous and cultivated that mysterious European mystique. She was famous for being married, famous for self parody. Like that's her skill, and she's doing it all here. Like it's all mm-hmm. very winking and and playing nods to herself. But she has a presence. I mean, she's absolutely. She's in on the joke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she was well known for having many husbands. So Conrad Hilton, yeah, right. as seen in Mad Men. Yeah, yeah, same, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, also, George Sanders. The guy that was in the um, Algonquin Roundtable. Uh, well, I was thinking even more as the guy that played Mr. Freeze in, I think, first season of Batman. Oh, the director. Saunders. No. Sanders? Sanders. He's an actor. Shit. Otto Preminger also played Mr. Freeze. Yeah, there yeah. were three different Mr. Freezes. The, oh, the guy that plays um, Sher Khan in the Jungle Book cartoon. I would take your word for it. Anybody? <laughs> Was that her playing the role of Zsa Zsa Gabor in a very Brady sequel? Well, of course. Was it her playing Zsa Zsa Gabor in Empty Nest? But of course. Was it her playing Zsa Zsa Gabor in Sybil? Told you, she just always played herself. <laughs> That's utter nonsense. She also played a nightclub manager in A Touch of Evil. It was a cameo, oh. but uh, yeah. It's completely ridiculous. That's a good movie. Mm, it's a great movie. I always liked her as Zsa Zsa Gabor in Knott's Landing. <laughs> I mean, her IMDb listing is basically as herself. <laughs> She slaps the car in Naked Gun two and a half. Is well, that before moment. or after the slapping of the police officer in real life? It's a reference to the it's a reference to that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and do we remember what happened? She just in got real pulled life. over. She had an open bottle of vodka in the car. <laughs> <laughs> she just said it's not safe to drive a rolls around Beverly Hills because people target you. <laughs> That's one way to spin it, Zsa Yeah, right. Yeah, and she once offered a million dollars to anyone who could prove that she'd had a facelift. Really? Mm. Nice. I don't know whether she ever... Up. Yeah. Now, in this episode, we do see uh, Chief O'Hara getting around with a cane. 
Yes. And there's ping, a reason for that. Ping pong accident. In real life, he had a ping pong accident. In real life? No. Yeah. Apparently. And then they worked it into the show. Oh, man. I thought that was the show's way of describing <laughs> an injury that he had. Yeah, from ping pong. Fair. What do you think? It's a dangerous game. Do you picture? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the most dangerous game. I, keep, I don't picture him as a ping pong player. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a gag, but, you know. Also, you have I'm, to kind of whip it, whip things around. It may surprise you in real life that he doesn't have a horrendously racist accent either. Sure, and it is. They recycle a joke. The one in the, at the ends of the previous episode of I Certainly Feel Like a New Man. And she then she says, says it it's again. Bruce again. Yeah. Yeah. A, a callback. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like this show. Yeah. Now, Jar Jar wasn't actually supposed to be in this episode. Mm. So apparently she was going to be playing Zelda the Great in a previous episode. No. And then Carol and Jones end up having to step in. And then she replied, reprised that role a second time within the series. They got the opportunity to get Jar Jar into the show again for this one, only because Mae West dipped out of playing uh, Minerva. She was oh, double booked. Wow. Yeah. She went off to Myra Beckenridge. Mae West would have been great. Mm. Well, Jar Jar was pretty fun and not. She was probably the only thing I liked about the episode. A lot of pieces to camera. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she wasn't really engaging with the fellow actors. It was more straight down the lens. Did she, is it my imagination, or did she get a lot of soft focus yeah. <laughs> shots? She certainly did. Little stocking action over yeah. the lens there. It was pretty fun seeing Alfred going undercover for one last time. I know. I'm glad they got that in. One yeah. last hurrah. Playing Lord Easy Street. <laughs> Lord Easy Street. He bore a... Remarkable resemblance. Well, the years have a way of catching up with us multi-millionaires, Minerva, just as with the common people. But on Bruce, bit of a, a trip up. Maybe go outside to talk to your wristwatch? Yeah, that would, that's a good note. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> a bit late in your last episode. But uh, I don't know, kickstarts the plot, I suppose. Also, it was the watch that was stolen the day before. Was he not worried that they were going to figure out how to communicate with the Batcave or whatever with that watch? I think Minerva was just distracted by the bling. Yeah. Hadn't bothered to check for any uh, secret devices. Batman and Robin in towels. Nice sight gag. Yeah. Over good. the costumes. Yep. They were very unwilling to disrobe. And if we disrobed, we'd reveal our secret true identities. That's too bad. You can't get the full value of my Minerva's spa fully dressed. Why didn't they show up as their alter egos? Why did they have to show up in costume? Well, Bruce left. He had a spare costume. He came back in the costume. Well, they needed oh, to be I Batman see, and see. Robin for that. It was leading up to a bit of Biff Bam Pow. Okay. I don't think you would... Well, I'm not going to question any of the <laughs> logic of the show at this point. Let's not question any of the logic. No. We have talked about the uh, diminishing production values. Did we notice the scene where Minerva comes in and shuts the door, but it just pops back open and they didn't bother reshooting? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I love that stuff. <laughs> I like that too. Guys, I think this brings us to the end of chatting about Batman. Aww. I don't want it to end. Okay, let's not let it end just yet, Nick. It goes on in our hearts. There's a few things we should probably discuss. Uh, first of all, Adam West and Burt Ward. This wasn't the last time that they played the dynamic duo. Mm -hmm. They came back for a number of other appearances. Uh, we had them in the Legends of the Superheroes specials, which have you finally watched those yet, Nick? Is that the one where they get all meta and um, they're being Batman and Robin while... Um... No, no, no. This is two TV specials and in one of them it's a celebrity roast. Oh. And they've got... Oh, yeah, uh, what's his name from Johnny Carson, like the offsider? Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon is the roast master. Yeah, right. And then I've got a bunch of other Justice League type characters like Hawkman as other people being roasted. Uh, so Green Lantern's in there, as I recall. I'm pretty yeah. sure Hawkman and... Uh, I remember Solomon Grundy, the villain, is one of the bad guys. 
Okay. But yeah, so their careers were not in the best of places, and so they came back for that. Uh, Weston Ward were also back as the voice of Batman and Robin in an animated series of The New Adventures of Batman. Right. Adam West obviously went on to a bunch of voice work and just cameos around the place, didn't really have much of a career after this, and Burt Ward, maybe less so. Uh, they did come back for the Misadventures in the Batcave TV movie, which was one of these things from the, I think, early 2000s, where I think they had one for the Brady Bunch and Gilligan's Island and uh, a couple of other <coughs> classic shows from back in the day. And they used to sort of do recreations of the making of the show with some sort of new storyline that was wrapped around it. And so the two of them were part of the new storyline where they were being, uh, I think, victimized, as I recall, by Frank Gorshin. And it's right before Gorshin passed away. Right. Did they become fixtures at Comic-Con and um, that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. So Adam West particularly founded a lot of cons. Okay. Yeah, but both of them just got typecast in roles and couldn't really break out of it. Yeah. Uh, you do find uh, Julie Newmar still doing the convention circuit. Oh, okay. Yeah, so she's still around. I don't know how actively she's doing it at the moment, but you can still find her two or three times a year around the place. Okay. So Batman broadly... What did you take away from Batman? Like, Fiona, what do you mm. feel that you learned from watching this many episodes of Batman? Well, I mean, it just reinforces... We, we've talked about this all the way through, but just how far the Batman character has come in terms of being changed in the in the representations. You know, we mentioned, like, he's such so dark now in the films mm. that come out. And in these ones, it's all levity. Like, you know, it, there's, it, the character's got the same backstory. It's got the darkness. But here it's looking on the bright side and a little bit of silliness, but using your wealth and your standing to try and believe you know like he believes in rehabilitation he he believes in <laughs> the long arm of the law yeah yeah so he's not internalizing things he's just trying to bring lightness and and good it's um very interesting when you think about how superhero movies are now i mean there's there's so many of them and it's the main hollywood product now and it wasn't taken that seriously back then it was just kid stuff it was silly yeah and well then, westerns were the big Every other movie was a Western yeah, you know, yeah. back then. But very. now it's we're very serious about it. Mm. Like superhero business is big business. so It certainly is. Yeah. The thing that I've taken away from it, and I kind of had a bit of a unique experience while watching this show, in that I grew up as someone of whom was always very interested in the behind-the-scenes stories and just learning a little bit more about the culture that I consume. And so when I came to watching this, I was fully prepared to sit down and enjoy the Batman show and probably do a bit of research online about episodes and talk about that. But just fortuitously, I had a trip to the US and got to go to the Warner Brothers back lot. And so I got to see like the Gotham City Police Department in real life. Mm. And I got to see the same street that the Batmobile goes up and down regularly through the first few seasons of the show before the budget was trimmed horribly and we barely saw any exteriors anymore. But I got to see some of these places in real life and just knowing how they look and feel in real life really colored the way that I experienced watching the show. So it became not just a experiment in watching Batman, but for me, it really became about watching a TV show being created on sets and really sort of experiencing that old school Hollywood vibe around it and how that carries through to today. So for me, it was less about Batman and Robin and more just about a capsule of TV production. And so mm -hmm. that, I don't know if I really took away anything from it, but it just kind of, I guess, maybe strengthened my love and passion for that as a concept. What about you, Nick? What's the big takeaway that you took from watching the show? So for me, the most um, interesting, because it's a show from my childhood, watching it with my children was um, really interesting because you could see how much culture has moved on, how much, especially my eight-year-old, how much he prefers 
He's just much more interested in the modern version. This is fun, but just because he, he likes watching TV. And he likes Batman, but it, it doesn't have the, the hold on him that the, the new movies do. But he, he still thinks it's very funny. Mm. Like he would laugh at a lot of stuff. And my um, two-year-old has been singing the theme song over and over again. And he will say one of his comment is one of two things. He'll either say, put on Paw Patrol, because he gets bored really easily. Or like last night, he just kept saying, Batman can't fly. Hey, hey, Batman can't fly. That's a fact. Yeah. It was a it's a really obvious reminder. fact. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but he, it was infectious and he, he was into it. Mm. Have they been interested in going to watch any of the Batman cartoons or anything? Something like Batman Brave and the Bold from a few years ago. That's very much in line with the vibe of this um, older TV series. I've been looking for stuff like that because I, I watched the animated versions of Batman Year One and The Dark Knight Returns. But it's very dark and there's lots of violence, a lot of the old ultraviolence. Well, those are I, the um, direct-to-video films, but like there's some cartoon series from the last few years that would probably actually suit your kids. We watched that one, that uh, the animated one that bridges Batman Begins and, um, and The Dark Knight. Oh, was that like the Arkham Knight? Yeah. Yes. Uh, or Gotham Knight, I think is what it's called. Oh, that might be it. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting. Boy, I was into it. Yeah. Still probably a bit dark for the kids. But like you say, like I watched this when I was a kid in the reruns, as you just sort of said. So, you know, back then it was the colour and the movement and the theme song. Yeah. It's a real earworm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what you remember in the Biff Bam Pow and the whatnot. But, you know, now revisiting it a couple of decades later, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you notice more of the nuances yes. and uh, you need to overlook the retrograde gender politics and the unconscious bias going on. Uh, but that's fine. It's a time capsule. But, yeah, a lot of the things would go over a kid's head of the... Uh, what do you think of an overall um, strategy of airing these old shows in you know prime time during the week like we've done with this show? I think I kind of liked mean? it. I love it. Yeah. It's kind of great to be nostalgia able to... Nostalgia is very big, Nick. But this is... The people for whom this is a nostalgia is, well... What? Oh, my... That's what? us. It's us. Wait, are you going to be ageist? <laughs> no, but... Uh, it's one that you can watch with your kids, like you said. But you don't see it happen do you where else does it happen except on a channel dedicated to airing these old shows so what i think is fascinating is we're watching this at a time where you're not finding a lot of the older shows being replayed still so i mean if you watch on say channel 11 at the moment you're still seeing like happy days and uh mash is probably being played a fair bit get smart like you're still seeing those but those are the ones that never really quite went away but you don't really see a revival of a lot of shows that were being watched back in the day that's what i mean where you do have nostalgic memories for but you haven't had that constant access to so, I mean, Batman is a clear mm. like contender for that. Something which I've been watching recently just through a streaming service I can access is old episodes of Peter Gunn, which is a show okay. I don't have any nostalgia for, but I just stumbled across it. And it still holds up really well as a piece of drama and television. And I've been burning through episodes of that because it kind of looks and feels unlike anything on TV right now. And I think maybe it's a shame that we can't access some of these older shows because there's still entertainment value to them. There's just no marketplace for them. Like, we're enjoying this, but we're probably part of the same niche group that, you know, all the other Batman viewers kind of fall into. I don't think there's probably a broad passion to see a lot of the older TV. But as as streaming revolutionizes how we watch stuff, we can't lose this stuff. You know, there has to be some place, and maybe it's not going to be on the front, on Netflix's front page, but but there needs to be a way to go back and watch this stuff on a on an on-demand basis. It should be, but it's one of these things where people are always looking for that new show. Like, it's pretty rare to find people that actually do want to go back. It's depressing. Yeah. Watch old episodes. 
Let us be a sign of bad. <laughs> On that happy note, this is maybe where we bring the podcast to an end. If we have to, if we must. Let's just play it out with awkward silence. <laughs> In true Batman land style. <laughs> well, we really shouldn't know this is the last episode if we're going to be true to the series. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs> see you next- we'll be back next season. <laughs> oh, wait, they don't say same bad time, same no. bad channel. No, they do don't. They? No, that's right. But no, they yeah. also have been saying that all season. Oh, that's right, because they changed the, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's a little bit different. <laughs> So this wasn't supposed to be the end of the Batman TV series. Uh, There was talk about going on to a season four. NBC were apparently very interested in picking up the series because ABC had expressed that they just weren't doing it anymore. So NBC said, like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. And they were ready to go ahead with it. I think they had Adam West signed. I think that Yvonne Craig was ready to come back as Batgirl. I think they were going to jettison Burt Ward as Robin. Who's going to go off to college or something, maybe. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so my understanding was going to be Batman and Batgirl from this point in. However, it didn't go ahead because ABC destroyed all of the sets. And so the cost of building everything suddenly just blew the budget out of control for what they were willing to spend. That sounds petty. They should reboot it now with the Wet Hot American Summer people or some really strong comedy people and make it hilarious. Mm. I think it would be a huge hit. Mm. I don't know. Don't steal my idea without paying No, me. I'm not. I don't think it's a great idea. What? Well, yeah. I really don't. You're going to lose out on a lot of money when oh, it happens. Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't really necessarily need to see uh, Ken Marino as Commissioner Gordon. I don't need a uh, reboot of this. I love the, the old one. I don't, not I the performers, don't... but, I mean, they're doing old-style sitcoms on Netflix that are feel super old and dumb. Fuller House. Um, the Ranch. You love that show. Oh, I'm a big fan. Um, do you know what I'm saying? Come on. I know what you're saying. I don't think it'd be very good. Yeah, I'm not necessarily on board for this I'm one either. I'm funny. not doing that podcast. But no, I, I really enjoyed <laughs> this. episode, a, then I'm out. I love this as a time capsule for what it was. I don't think yeah. you can replicate what this was. Exactly. So but that just, wouldn't stop people. I mean, you know, that's what happens. But what so. reboot? I mean, you could say that about, you've been saying that about Alf, and you're going to love that reboot. <laughs> <laughs> No reboots are ever good. I'm happy for Alf to prove me wrong. <laughs> That's going to be the one. It probably will be. I can't wait to do Alf Land on Viceland. Can I reinstate my powers of veto on that one? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. And there's that awkward silence. We're bringing this to an end because I'd be happy to talk about Batman for another year and a half. Uh, five, not another five years. Another five years. It's the five-year mission. Anyway, this brings Batman Land to an end. Thank you very much to both the listeners. You've been a valuable part of the audience. Uh, I'd also like to thank Fiona for saying, yeah, let's do a Batman podcast. That's a great idea. Pleasure was all mine. And also for, I guess, being on it. Yeah, that too. Cheers. Uh, Nick Bassine, you've been a loyal companion, sticking through the third season when a lot of people probably wouldn't have. Again, I've never been happier and more fulfilled. Yeah, you say that. No, no, I've really enjoyed doing the third it's season. It's been fun. It's taught me a lot about TV. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of shenanigans going on. And even terrible Batman episodes are still pretty fun to watch. Yes. I think it's been very instructive to see, um, as you mentioned before, the old um, antiquated... Um, like racial gender- and gender yeah, politics. and the um, harmful Native American stereotypes. <laughs> um, uh, I... Like those kinds of things wake you up and hold, hold on, you know, that's, that's, uh, and I think that's been fascinating. What about the blatant Irish stereotype that's in each and every episode of this show? 
once again the Irish uh, being put upon. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess you get used to it because it's in there all the time. I forgot that he's not Irish. Yeah. I didn't even, I don't think until today I knew that he wasn't Irish. He's so convincing. Question without notice, what's been your favourite episode over all three seasons? Uh, one of the earlier King Tut ones, probably, because mm-hmm. I think Victor Buono is very funny. Uh, I'd say the, and I don't have the episode titles in front of me, but the two bookworm episodes with Roddy McDowell. Okay. Yeah, the two of them, I just thought in terms of production scope, I thought was, you know, far and above what they usually do on the show. But also it was just funny. Like, it was a really funny, solid two-parter. Mm. What about yours? Uh, Double Liberace, probably. Okay. Great. Um, but I will never forget the Milk and Cookies episode. That was great. Which was very uncomfortable and creepy and funny. It was actually a really, really good episode as well. Yeah. Yeah. And Julia Newmar as Catwoman. Is oh, yeah. One of the biggest revelations. Yeah. Oh, oh, the tiger revelation. one. I had a real tiger on the set. That was yeah. a great one too. Real tiger. Mm. But yeah, uh, Julia Newmar, like, I never really went into this expecting to walk away being a huge fan of Newmar. Yeah. But yeah. I think after Adam West, um, mm. Julia Newmar is the big revelation. Yeah, MVP for the series. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, also, just in terms of great episodes, let's not go past the first two episodes of the show. Like the first two episodes, which are a Frank Gorshin as the Riddler two-parter, mm. uh, it ends with Jill St. John being thrown into the... Oh, that's uh, right. <laughs> the nuclear Very reactor at the back of the Batcave. Ooh, that's right. But like, it is like really just a... Epic. Both episodes are just great TV, and I think it often gets forgotten in the greatest sort of mess of Batman. And here we are with the last two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a different series at this point, I assure you. They certainly were two episodes. Uh, a couple of other thank yous to make. Uh, huge thanks to Jeremy Wilmot. Jeremy Wilmot, he looks after the audio and editing of the Batman Land podcast. All the times when you hear sort of funny jokes where you're hearing lines being inserted, uh, there was the time where Jeremy mixed in audio of Commissioner Gordon and Chief O'Hara with the cops theme song behind it. It was like a bad cops theme with the two of them. He's a wizard. Masterful. I never get to hear it until like just as I'm sort of going through the final edit before we push it out to publish it because often the deadlines on this get very tight and Jeremy is very accommodating for this sort of thing. You've got superhero costumes to bid on. Uh, Well, this yeah, they've got a lot going on. But yeah, like I'll be listening to it and there'll be jokes which have me laughing out loud and I just want to congratulate Jeremy on it. But he's never really around for me to do it. But I just like to say right here, thank you very much. Jeremy really is like the absolute star of Batman land and I'm a huge fan of his work. Uh, also, big thanks to John Bohm, who's the channel manager for SBS Viceland. Uh, it was him and also his offsider, Chris Feggins. Both of them heard on the podcast last week. But it was the two of them joking around saying there should be a Batman podcast and then Fiona said yes to it and... Bada bing, bada boom. Here we are, there we go. And we've had fun doing it the last year and a bit. Uh, I guess, is there anyone else we need to thank? Uh, Maybe Mick Rudd, who's the guy that takes care of our bookings at SBS Radio every week to give us the studio. He's been on the show. He's been a guest twice he's been on. Yeah. And I mean, we are over-resourced for this podcast. We have... (laughs) Keep quiet on that one. (laughs) Insane! No, we've been fortunate enough to have a radio studio to do this podcast. Like, that's a great privilege and, you know, it's never been lost on me. I think that's fantastic. Uh, Also, final thank you, uh, all the guests that we've had on. Yeah. Uh, we've had a few returning guests. Name them guests. in order. In order, we've got... There was... Uh, there was that guy. There was that Frank. guy with the funny eyes. Well, Frank the shirt. Yeah. No, he, he was on the show. These are oh, villains. Uh, <laughs> we saw about the villains that came into the studio with us. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we had a bunch of people that came back several times. And Special also times. Some really notable people as well. Uh, Nicola Scott, who's yes. an actual yeah, artist on the Fat Books. Yeah. yeah. And like that's probably my favourite. I mean... Everyone who came in was great, but Nicholas Scott was just one of those next-level guests. I only liked her. (laughs) 
You had a Batmobile. <laughs> yeah. And oh, we got the to, Batmobile. We got to ride oh, my the Batmobile. God. Yeah, thanks for asking me on that, that one. Was <laughs> well, I had to come in on a Saturday. <laughs> oh, God, that's right. It was a Saturday. <laughs> Are we still recording? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Anyway, let's find this out. So this is the end of Batman Land. Uh, just keep in mind that you can still watch episodes anytime on SBS On Demand. Things can't be around forever. So jump on SBS On Demand now and catch up with as many old Batmans as you can. Nick Bassine, people probably want to talk to you on Twitter. How do they do that? Uh, they can find me at squareballs.biz slash underscore poopsie. Okay. Or or at Nick Bassine. Yeah. One of those will be easier to get into the Twitter bot. Fiona Williams, you're Hello. on Twitter. I am. You're still currently paying attention here? I'm sorry, what? Sorry. Huh? <laughs> I'm applying for a job at Minerva's Mineral Spa. Um, <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at anything but Fifi. Uh, you can find me at the Dan Barrett for all of your Batman-related conversations slash abuse. And if you want to maintain the conversation, Batman Land, which I presume people will be using that hashtag for many years to come. <laughs> might go a bit quiet fairly shortly. <laughs> Please be quiet for a little while now. But anyway, thank you very much for listening. It's been great. This is the end of Batman Land. Uh, we'll have... This has been the end of Batman yeah. Land. Yeah. Cookies. You people, you're the stars. Thank you, Dan Barrett. You've been here for every single episode Except of one. Batman. What? Wasn't here for one of them. Oh, you were away. That's yeah. true. I was visiting oh. Warner Brothers a lot. Yeah. But anyway, let's all go out for milk and cookies. Let's not and say we did. <laughs> they're gone. Batman. Well, no, but they're gone. Batman. They are not gone. They are just not here. Isn't that the same thing? Batman. 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 Holy disappearing act.